Hi, this is Roy's Rocket Radio, episode 173, recorded on Sunday the 9th of April 2017, and the time at the beginning of the show was 11 o'clock. Now, timings are going to be particularly meaningless today, because at 11 o'clock, which was now 50 minutes ago, I interviewed a couple of Stevens responsible for the excellent Judge Minty and the upcoming Strontium Dog fan films. So really, this show is all part two. It is all that extra interesting thing that I've been promising you for ages and ages and have now started doing. Unfortunately, that leaves very little time to do the usual part one of me waffling on about every nerdy thing that I can think about, but rest assured there will be more of that coming. So sit back and relax and listen to the interview. Hi guys, thanks for coming on the show. Perhaps you would like to begin by introducing yourselves? I'm Stephen Stolakini. And I'm part of the team uh, that we've made Judge Minty and uh, making Strontium Dog both fan films based on 2008. Doing everything on the films from co-directing, catering, producing, runner, band driver, everything. Uh, my day job is I'm a graphic designer, art director, working on uh, branding for food and toys and games. Uh, yeah, so uh, my name's Stephen Green. Uh, my sort of background is um, games, visual effects, uh, CGI in general, and uh, my role on uh, on Judgmenty was, uh, I guess, sort of cinematographer, the guy who handled the camera and uh, and visual effects. Um, and uh, on Strontium Dog, we sort of branched out a little bit more. So I was um, uh, roughing out the uh, the script, working working the script with Steve. So it was a it was a bit more of a collaborative uh, effort on uh, on Strontium Dog. So some of the other people that were sort of like involved with uh, with Toronto Blog and sort of Judge Minty, we had uh, um, yeah Dan Kerry George uh, working on sort of like costumes and props. Uh, we had sort of uh, Connor Boyle and Barry Renshaw on storyboards. Uh, had uh, Michael Savage uh, doing doing the music. Uh, Tony Hudson uh, editor. Uh, Alex Ronald doing some VFX uh, uh, some models. Uh, Ronan Coyle and uh, uh, James Newell on on those as well. I think that's one of the beauties of fan films. I mean, we could we could have tried to make an original sort of uh, science fiction short, but when you when you're making a fan film, like you say, oh, I'm making a Strontium Dog fan film, people just come out of the woodwork and go. Even professional people go, oh, you know, I, I I've always wanted to work on that or to see it come to life. Or uh, I'd like to help you do it. And that's I think one of the main benefits of. Uh, for filmmakers making a fan film, yeah, I mean, I think also uh, uh, where you've got um, where you've got small manageable sort of like chunks where, uh, I mean, the project as a whole can be a bit daunting, but if you say to somebody, okay, I need a model of the doghouse, or I need a model of this spaceship, and they go, all oh, right, I fancy fancy doing that, and it's not this uh, endless uh, sort of like project that you know. May, may never happen or that the, the, there's no logistics involved whereas from our point of view it's a bit more of a bit more of a slog uh you know we've got to deal with uh um you know scheduling and uh locations well steve mainly has to deal with that <laughs> uh, and uh but uh you know 
editing and grading and and uh, you know we, we tend to give ourselves the rubbish jobs. Um, so uh, you know we, we've got the, the whole the whole project all to do. So uh, we, we can we can offer sort of like you know the the sweet sort of. Uh, the sweet jobs to uh, to people saying, okay, model, can you model that up? You know, can you do that? It's uh, which is a it's uh, probably a bit more attractive to uh, to get people involved. You know, whereas if you say, yeah, can you uh, can you make Johnny Alpha's eyes glow? You know, for twenty minutes, then that's probably not going to attract many people. <laughs> no, not without paying them anyway. Exactly. What made you make the films? And this really is for both of you. I think one of the reasons was just to see the films, if you know what I mean. When we sort of started doing sort of like judgmentally, I mean, uh, Steve sort of like started the, the the ball rolling on it and uh, talked with uh, with uh, Dan Kerry George uh, about doing props and uh, uh, I fancy sort of like you know doing something uh, something with a, like uh, an end sort of goal in sight. So I was you know looking to do show real sort of pieces. And uh, never really had the attempt, uh, the the opportunity to uh, do uh, green screen or uh, mixing sort of CGI with live action. So you know that that was that was the reason sort of for doing it. And also at the time, the only sort of like dread film that had been out uh, had been the uh, Stallone film. Um, so we didn't even know about the the Carl Urban film at the time. Uh, that sort of uh, that news broke, uh, you know, while we were sort of already you know making it near the end. Uh, yeah, yeah, near, you know, pretty much sort of like you know, near the end. I mean, we're sort of, we were, I mean, we were sort of like halfway. Uh, uh, we're halfway. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember the exact date, but I mean, we, we were <laughs> a good, a good few shoots into it, until like you know, into sort of going towards post production. So um, yeah, that was uh, that was interesting, you know, to have 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 the two on on the on the go at the same time. The next question is, how did you get into two thousand AED? And again, to both of you. Uh, well, for, for me, my uh, my brother used to get it uh, probably about, I seem to remember it from about Prague 125, round about that era. And I was just looking through the covers to sort of try and remember when I started reading it. And it was uh, it was amazing artwork around that, around about that period. So that's what got me hooked into it. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a prog one guy, so uh, I mean, I'd, read ac- I'd read action before that. So uh, yeah, I mean, I was sort of like nuts about dinosaurs. So uh, I think it was like my mum sort of saw that and go right, he likes dinosaurs, and uh, Star Wars was sort of coming out, and uh, uh, I think I'd had the uh, the, the Marvel sort of uh, comics uh, adaptation of, uh, of of the Star Wars sort of film before the film had come out so sort of science fiction was sort of like you know on the up and uh i was all into you know godzilla and dinosaurs and monsters and things like that so uh yeah 2008 sort of like you know hit hit the sweet spot so uh, definitely definitely fans from uh, from way back i wanted to get the first pro but the shop ran out so i had to start from two unfortunately <laughs> okay so if you want to take me through the process of making your movie for Judgmente, I mean, the whole thing is, uh, I mean, as Steve said, we sort of, uh, it sort of came about with, uh, I think I saw Dan Carey George had uh, produced a Judge Dread helmet for his portfolio, and I was sort of trying to get him to sell me one, but he wouldn't do it. And uh, we started saying, oh, a few more pieces and we could make a fan film. And, uh, and then as Steve mentioned, that's how he got involved. But when it actually comes out of the actual process, I think we wanted to work on uh, a story that didn't have Judge Dread in it. 
because uh, people will be very critical of what our Judge Dredd looked like. So we picked a, a character that we all thought encompassed quite a lot of bits to do with Judge Dredd, sort of uh, things to do with like the long walk and doubts about the justice system and all that. So that's where we sort of we, that was our base for a film. And we thought we'd just try and rip as much out of the comic as possible. So it's sort of based on two films, Judge Minty, obviously, and another one which is out of an annual called The Last of the Bad Guys, which I think it's John Higgins uh, doing the artwork on that one. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously, when you're doing a fan film, there's um, there's things to consider. You know, you've, you've got a budget, so doing the Cursed Earth for the, for the majority of the film uh, makes sense. Um, you know, it's easier to do on a budget. You can you can find, a, a, you know, a, a quarry or <laughs> so, yeah, or, or something sort of similar. Sort of going back to the old sort of like Doctor Who, Blake Seven sort of uh, low budget, um, you know, aspect. Uh, but we, you know, we had like a little bit of the city, and uh, you know, we found a great place at, uh, in Sheffield uh, at Magna, uh, which was an old sort of steelworks, but it's still quite limited. I mean, you couldn't do a whole, you know, a whole film sort of in that sort of that, that limited set so uh um yeah it's uh it's, yeah so some things are sort of like dictated by you know like what your budget is uh um you know uh, uh, as well so you know minty sort of like you know fit fit the bill uh you know doing doing something in the cursed earth was uh easier than uh uh well i wouldn't say like easier but like more it was more achievable than uh, doing something that like entirely in the city uh yeah. you know we, we've had people sort of say uh oh could you do the apocalypse war and they go like no <laughs> so not unless it's just set in a bunker you know and it's just sort of uh you know some judges uh, under siege in a bunker that, that's the only way you could do it uh you know on a fan film budget you know there are limitations i think the first script didn't actually have any city in it at all I think it was just uh, Steve Green said, "Oh, I can. Uh, I think I can uh, model something up, and if we can find a suitable location for like the bottom of the buildings, we we can do it." And I think uh, I think Michael Carroll sort of took him at his word on that and wrote <laughs> wrote some extra scenes for it. Yeah, it's. Um, uh, I, I think uh, also you know because it's a fan film, you know people say, "Oh, we want to see the Lawmaster," or you know we want to see you know uh, certain certain sort of things. So. That was the opportunity to you know to get it in there and uh, and also uh, you're sort of trying to strike that balance of sort of like you, you don't want it to be a sort of like a where's Wally of sort of like oh we've seen that we've seen that we've seen we you know you've got a story to tell um, so that's why we you know we we came up with this sort of uh, the CCTV stuff at the beginning of Minty which you know it, it gets it all out of the way so you can sort of see that and that sort of go oh yeah. Oh look, there's somebody who's a bit like Chopper, you know. You can see see a sky surfer, or you know, you can you can get these sort of nods, but it's not. I mean, that's just you know during the title sequence, so it's not it's not bogging down the story. Tell me a bit about how you came up with the script. Well, on the on Judge Minty, I sort of produced the uh, first draft, which then uh, Steve Green and Dan both sort of gave a good kicking. And then we we, had, we were very lucky that we met Michael Carroll at a convention and he said, oh, I wouldn't mind helping out with that. And he basically rewrote it, made it a lot more punchy, added about a million dollars to the uh, to the budget. But it, the, what he did was a massive improvement. So after we chopped out his expensive bits, that was the that was the script that we were left with. I think what Michael sort of really added to it was... Uh... A lot of the, the radio chatter and uh, things like that. Uh, did he write quite a lot of that? Uh, yeah, and he also uh, 
I think he redrafted some of the fight scenes, so they just they just sort of flowed a little bit better. Yeah. How did you go about getting a crew and a cast together? Well, with Judge Mint here, we didn't really look at anything until we got uh, the the actor for Judge Mint here, Edmund Dane, uh, sorted. If we, we thought if we can get the this actor, then we can sort of uh, start trying to pull things together from that. And for, in that respect, we produced like a, I don't know, like a ten-page document showing all our uh, pre-production work, props, costumes, C- CGI, and then we approached him and just said, "Oh, this is going to be—it's uh, going to be twenty minutes of all focused on you." And uh, I think he, I think he liked that. I think he said that he he wanted to ride a motorbike and stab someone in the groin <laughs> from the script, which he was very disappointed when we showed him the motorbike. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, the the the, uh, the, the law master bike was just a, a blue box in uh, Dan's back garden, and uh, all, all the CGI on, on on top of that. So, uh, yeah, the uh, the uh, the raw footage um, not quite as impressive. <laughs> how much did this cost, and how did you go about raising the money? Because I've seen the movie a few times now, and it's obviously a fan movie, but it's a very very well made fan movie. Well, I think Judgment Day cost, I think we usually say around about £7,500. And that's mainly just down to uh, location fees, studio fees, uh, payments for actors, token payments for actors, just to get on there, just to be penciled in their diaries. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's things sort of like, uh, there's things that we, we can do for uh, for free. I mean, like the CGI, I mean, yeah, I, I just sort of like did the bulk of that and uh, just did it myself so it didn't it didn't actually cost any sort of physical money but obviously it, it cost my time and uh uh until so like, i you know dan sort of was like making props but didn't sort of like charge for charge for props um so it, it's it's kind of difficult to get an accurate budget there's there's yeah. money that we spent and then there's how much it would have cost if people had been sort of like paid the going rate so um so budgets tend to be a bit sort of meaningless on on sort of like fan films yeah uh, because it's it's not an accurate sort of yeah yeah yes you can do it for that but ideally you wouldn't want to yeah um and all the extras know, but, they all sort of uh, volunteered for nothing and you know paid their own way to get to the locations and things like that yeah, so I mean, you know, apart from sort of very, very basic catering and sort of accommodation when people sort of need to sort of stay over, the, the things that you, you know, you can't get, you know, where we, I mean, we had a sort of a tiny crew, uh, sort of like, you know, uh, you know, bigger cast than uh, than crew. It was uh, it was very, very basic. Um, so uh, it, it was interesting to sort of see, uh, you know, what you can do with very little, but uh, it's, you know... Uh, we tried to sort of like you know uh, expand it for Strontium Dog, but um, it didn't happen. <laughs> we thought, oh, you know, we, yeah, we need to get like a few runners and things like that. But uh, no, we just end up you know usually doing it ourselves. I'm guessing that you used a single camera. Was it any particular kind? I'm guessing a DSLR. Uh, it started off um, uh, with a uh, an HTV uh, uh, Canon. AH1, I think, sort of, uh, but uh, around that time, around the time we were shooting, um, the 7D came out, so the bulk of it was shot on on the 7D. Uh, so there's a few a few mixed sort of like shots, and uh, and and certainly like the 7D was a, a lot better in um, in low light than the uh, 
than the uh, the old uh, HDB sort of um, you know, camera. Um, it's uh, it, it was interesting. I mean, it, it was, you know, it was a very like, basic rig. It was like stuck on a fig rig, you know, no follow focus or anything like that. So um, yeah, it was it was interesting sort of seeing like you know what it could do and what you know what it couldn't do and what like what the limitations were. Um, and then for uh, there, there were there were a couple of sort of handicam shots. I'm not sure why. I think I tended to use that where I was uh, being a bit reckless with the camera, and I thought, right, I don't want to risk my nice uh, new 7D, but I've got this sort of cheap sort of handicam. So there were a couple of shots in there. Uh, for Strontium Dog, um, mainly a C100. Um, there's a couple of shots with a Sony. Come uh, uh, on. Oh. All right, but this uh, RX10, uh, RX10 Mark II, uh, for a couple of slow motion shots. Um, yeah, but primarily that you know the C100 for that, which uh, is uh, is a lot nicer to to work with, you know, with, uh, than a digital SLR. Can you tell me about locations? Well, uh, for Judge Minty, it was uh, just too many locations because we, we we sort of uh, that was one of the things that we sort of tried to address on Strontium Dog. But on Judge Minty, we, we went everywhere from is it Portland in Dorset, all the way yeah. up to uh, Lambris in uh, in uh, Northern Wales. Yeah, uh, sort of uh, to Norwood Quarry. So there was, uh, uh, I think, the, the first shoot was uh, uh, was Magna Exterior. Uh, the, basically the car park uh, which is uh, Sheffield uh, which is the old sort of steelwork so that sort of doubled for, for Mega City 1 for the uh, for the opening uh, then we had uh, Dinorwig which is uh, North Wales sort of slate quarry then we needed um, a couple more sort of bits so we went down to sort of Portland but it's a completely different look of st- like stone so uh, <laughs> um, yeah sort of uh, going from uh, slate to uh, sort of sandstone so that, yeah. that was a quarry down there uh, I mean, we we started sort of like shooting at uh, there was a sculpture park there, and uh, uh, we we were sort of, we had sort of a few bits sort of like shooting, and we ended up sort of uh, it proved to be a lot more popular than we thought it was going to be. So there's a lot of sort of you know people walking around. I thought, okay, we need to find somewhere else. So we managed to find somewhere sort of like close to where we uh, uh, where we had accommodation, and that was uh, completely sort of deserted. You know, that was uh, you know we we got the okay sort of like shoot down there. And uh, where else was there? Oh, there were a few green screen sort of studios, and then the uh, the inside of Magna uh, was uh, the sort of like the, the, the compound at, uh, at the end. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, locations are the, the trickiest thing. It's uh, especially if you want somewhere that looks um, a bit dangerous. It, it tends to be the sort of uh, you know, if, if you want to get permission, then uh, you know people don't want the hassle of like the health and safety sort of issues so you're trying to find somewhere that looks dangerous but isn't um you know the other alternative is you try and wing it but we you know we don't want to be in a position where we sort of you know we we go there and the security guard sort of comes along and sort of like that you know yeah sling your sling your hook so um tr- trying to find somewhere that's uh affordable and yeah. available you know that that's the sort of uh, the tricky part I think with the fact that, you know, everyone's carrying, like, toy blasters and everything around, you've really got to sort of uh, belt and braces, make sure that the police are informed and everything. And the first thing they'll ask is, do you have permission to film there? So it makes it a lot easier if you've uh, if you've got permission. How did you distribute the film? I saw it on YouTube, but I'm guessing Vimeo as well. 
yeah, for for Judge Minty, uh, uh, YouTube and Vimeo. I mean, before it before it went on there, there was uh, it was submitted to I don't know several uh, film festivals, and it it still gets picked up every so often at comic conventions. Yeah, I mean, I mean the uh, I mean YouTube we uh, we basically waited until uh, uh, we did sort of slight amends from the the ones that were shown at film festivals. Uh, so we had a little bit because uh, with YouTube you can't actually change anything so like once it's gone online you know that's it and you know, you basically have to put up a new version or take down that version and, and replace it and then you, you lose all views and comments uh vimeo you can um edit it you know you can replace uh, uh, a, a version if you if you do want to you know do revisions uh but then that can become you know a bit of a sort of uh, an ongoing process where you just go oh, i'm just going to keep tweaking and tweaking and tweaking but uh um, it's very tempting, especially sort of like with digital, that you can just constantly uh, tinker with things. But uh, yeah, I mean, sort of, you know, like uh, YouTube sort of, uh, you know, it's amazing that uh, you know that that's available to anybody. You know, it's uh, you know, if if you said to somebody, you know, twenty years ago that you know you'd have a channel that anybody could watch videos, and uh, you know, so like, oh, how much does it cost? And, oh, it doesn't cost anything. You know. Uh, it, they probably wouldn't believe you, and and, and the fact that uh, it's great for finding sort of really obscure archive clips of of things. I mean, you know, we found sort of really, uh, you know, really old sort of uh, adverts for 2000 AD or old fan films, you know, from sort of the early 90s, and uh, it's uh, it's great for finding uh, the really obscure stuff. Obviously, the reception of your movie has been really good. What do Rebellion think? And have you heard from John Wagner or Carlos Azcara? I was just wondering what the reaction was from any of the property holders. Uh, well, Steve, do you want to get one? Oh, yeah, all right, I'll take this. Uh, yeah, I mean, sort of, uh, from, from John and Carlos, they, they've been very uh, very complimentary. Uh, I mean, John saw it at uh, Thought Bubble. Uh, and uh, he he was the one who actually asked us about doing Strontium Dog because I mean we were considering doing uh, Rogue Trooper and uh, uh, we had a screening of of Minty at uh, the Lakes Festival in 2013 I think it was and uh, you know he said uh, would you consider doing Strontium Dog so uh, yeah that was uh, that was like a, I don't know whether that was a, an offer an offer you can't refuse <laughs> sort of deal with uh, with John uh, and, and Carlos has always been great I mean. Uh, we, did, we didn't sort of speak to him sort of that much about um, that Minty, but we, you know, we've we've had like lots of sort of like chats with Carlos about about Strontium Dog, uh, you know, just sort of like running past sort of uh, how we were sort of like adapting the helmet and uh, costume and and so on, and you know, he's been great and sort of like positive and we regard to rebellion. I mean, you know, they'd be fine. It's uh, uh, they tend to keep a very sort of hands off sort of. Um, approach to uh, to these sort of things so i mean yeah they showed uh Shantim dog at the 40th and uh they sort of put the trailer on the official sort of like uh channel um for for, for minty but uh you know they're in a bit of a, a tricky sort of like situation because obviously they're trying to get um you know uh, proper studios for want of a better term you know to to, to utilize their ip so uh I think they they need to sort of you know keep keep their distance from uh, sort of fan properties as long as you're not making money out of it you know it's sort of uh, and you're not sort of bringing them into disrepute or anything like that yeah. so uh, as long as long as you don't make yourself a pain then they're fine. 
Wagner often says that the character of Judge Dredd is a satirical fascist boot boy, but Alex Garland's Dredd and your movies are decidedly non-satirical. Only the panned Stallone movie contained any irony. What do you think of Wagner's view? I think in our in our case, it was mainly just down to budget and time. You know, the amount of time we had on screen to present a, a very simple story. I mean, we tried to put some of the uh, satirical elements in the background. You know, you can hear things about Otto Sump and things like that. But I think it would have just completely confused the little story that we had if we'd have started to try and add satire and things like that. Yeah, I mean, I think if, um, I mean, like Dread stories sort of vary in tone quite a bit. I mean, you'll, in one, you know, uh, one strip you'll have a, a horror story, another one it'll be, you know, a war story, another one it'll be out and out satire. So, uh, and, and sort of uh, uh, over the years, it's tended to sort of like dial down the uh, the outright sort of comedy or the more outrageous elements from, from like the 80s. You know, once you sort of like hit the uh, the nineties with uh, America in the pit, uh, it tends to be sort of a bit more sort of police procedural and a bit you know played a bit sort of straighter. Um, so yeah, I mean, sort of, I think it was yeah, I think it, it would I think it would have just sort of like got in the way a little bit. I mean, you know, there's this points being made sort of like you know at the end of Minty, although it's not sort of said in uh, uh, in the film itself, but I mean, judges are sort of like taken at age five. So, you know, there's a bit of a sort of like a mirror image of like, you know, him and the uh, the uh, the gang member. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're both being sort of like taken sort of and basically instructed in the ways of violence. Um, uh, I don't know whether we sort of like thought about that at the time, but, uh, you know, it's it's one of these things that sort of like crops up, uh, you know, when when you sort of like start to sort of, you know, pick it, pick it apart. But uh, I mean, we, we were just sort of, uh, we were just sort of taking... Uh, you know uh, some of the elements of the strip and uh, uh, and just seeing seeing what we could do with it. Definitely some comments uh, on the YouTube videos that were uh, oh, is this was this because of that and you go well we didn't think of that but it's a very good idea so we'll say that from now on. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, although the show has really been about dread, I bought Star Lord the first issue, so for me Strontium Dog really is my favourite hero. So what I wanted to ask you was about the Strontium Dog movie. And also, please tell me that Johnny Alpha does not have an American accent. He does not have an American accent. <laughs> uh, we, we asked John uh, about, uh, about uh, accents, and uh, his, uh, his guidance was uh, um, English, uh, well-spoken, or fairly well spoken, yeah. and uh, he, he gave Daniel Craig as, a, as an example. Uh, I don't know. It's, uh, it's it's one of these things where uh, it's sort of slightly scary to sort of to hear a, a voice of a character. Uh, Wolf's a, a lot easier, you know, because it's a, you know, a, a broader sort of like you know uh, Viking sort of uh, stereotype. So uh, uh, yeah, sort of uh, Wolf. Um, you go, yeah, that, yeah, that, I can I can go with that. Like Johnny, mm, I don't know whether you know. You, you never really sort of think what. What Johnny sort of sounds like Dread. It's uh, you know it's a bit more a bit more obvious, but even then it sort of took a few goes to you know to get Dread uh, Dread right. So yeah, we you know it's uh, you know we sort of thought about uh, if he, if he's too gravelly, then it's going to sound too much like Dread, 
Uh, so you're sort of trying to make it sort of a, a, a little bit uh, more distinct from Dread. Um, mm. I think on that one, I think uh, did we did we hear something of uh, Cal Urban and slightly get get Jared to redo it a little bit, or was it yeah do it a bit? Yeah, yeah. I mean, with, with uh, the sort of the Dread voice on uh, on Minty, we um, yeah we we took a like a little bit, so like, can you make it a bit more a bit more Carl Urban? So yeah, I mean, with Strontium Dog, it's sort of uh, it's been interesting, sort of uh, adapting. That. I was sort of you know more involved with the uh, the script side of sort of things. So uh, originally, we sort of like we pitched it as uh, you know a much shorter sort of thing, uh, not even a real story, just more of a uh, a grab bag of sort of like uh, um, like a commercial, the life of a Strontium Dog type thing but uh once we got into it so like, okay we'll we'll go for go for a story uh it'll be easier to sort of uh you know sell in inverted commas to uh, to film festivals and yeah. uh yeah we do we just basically went went, went through and uh said, right we're not going to do an exact story mainly because you know that there's not really anything you could do on a fan film budget and also if, if you're doing an exact story you know you know the ending you know with minty you know we only took, took that as a starting point so um, you know, we basically went through and go, right, what do we want to show? And, uh, you know, just went through sort of, uh, went, went through things and, uh, sort of picked, cherry picked, uh, you know, pieces here and there and, you know, hopefully made a, a coherent story out of it. Can you tell me if, when the Strontium Dog film comes out? Well, it comes out, uh, online, YouTube and Vimeo, the back end of May, I think we've, uh, not, not yeah. long now. Was the movie, to a certain extent, a way of showcasing what you can do? Uh, yeah, kind of. Uh, I mean, it sort of started off that way, and uh, you know, it's. Uh, I mean, I've, I've no real sort of like you know desire to do um, film VFX sort of as such, uh, mainly because you sort of hear all horror stories about people working, you know, till two in the morning and uh, and scenes getting cut, and uh, um, so. It sort of started off that way, and uh, there's probably still like an element of that. Um, I think it was more just a, like a, a niche wanting to be scratched, and sort of. Uh, I mean, I do all sorts of um, sort of uh, things for my day job. I'm a freelancer, so uh, I do uh, sort of uh, TV sort of uh, titles and uh, uh, events, uh, graphics, and uh, medical animation and things like that. So it's very it's very varied. So you know. I think that you know this one was more you know John asked us to and he got like oh, and you know it didn't look like you'd ever see a strontium dog sort of uh, um, you know on screen although there's sort of like there's interest from sort of uh, you know known directors uh, interest is one thing but actually you know studio backing is another so uh, you know we didn't want to hold back and sort of uh, go oh we'll wait until somebody does it because it could it could never happen. Uh, in, a, in a sort of like a, a mainstream format and uh, um, when sort of like new things come along like 3D printers for example that's always uh, quite an interesting uh, thing to factor in it's like all right, what can we sort of like make use of that with this new technology so it becomes a bit of an excuse to okay um, we can do something with that you know rather than just sort of playing for the sake of it so right okay we've got uh, a 3D printer okay we can 3D print the helmet you know, which is a fairly major sort of uh, major part of it. 
so sort of things like that and when uh you know we did sort of um, some digital doubles um you know where it becomes affordable you know at uh at the sort of like the fan fan film end it's going okay what can we sort of like make use of that so um yeah that, i think that becomes a bit of a you know a bit of an impetus to sort of um um you know to, to, to make things it's like th- these things have become available to the consumer you know what can we uh, what, what can we do with it? And uh, otherwise, it's all this sort of stuff that gets uh, um, uh, becomes available, and you know, people don't do anything with it. So uh, you know, it's it's there. Make use of it. Well, I think on uh, for my business because I'm part owner of a branding uh, design agency. We've used the sort of uh, the the films as sort of uh, just to uh, expand like our skill set, and to sort of uh, we we have used some of those skills for doing sizzles for products and things like that. I mean, I'm, we, we, I tend to work a lot with the uh, uh, toy and board game sort of industry, and they're always after, can you show show this game in an interesting way, just for internal purposes? So I've, I've, I've definitely found it very useful for that. So it's sort of, although I've ne- we've never met any money out of the fan films, the skills that I've learned have definitely been uh, very useful to me. Yeah, I, mean, I think, uh, I mean, there's certainly sort of like skills on... Uh, on, a, on a VFX sort of side, sort of like tracking uh, sort of things in, and uh, uh, for example, like you know, making Johnny Alpha's eyes glow and, and finding a, like a workflow for that because uh, yeah, there's so so much of it. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I mean, there's certain sort of like you know skills that uh, you know do, do come in sort of handy. I mean, actual you know from a from a financial side, uh, I think the only one I, I had was. Uh, you know, people saying, "Oh, we saw the stuff you did on Judgment T. Uh, can you do some stuff for us for free?" So uh, <laughs> it it doesn't quite sort of like you know work out. I mean, you know, th- there are aspects where uh, it's a good opportunity to learn a bit of software or learn a t- learn a technique which you use or elsewhere. But it's uh, this very indirect uh, you know route to you know making any money out of it. Where can people find either of you, Steves, on the internet? Oh uh, well, I'm I'm on Twitter at uh, it's uh, Steve. D Green, so it's Steve D Double E Green, uh, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm on LinkedIn, but uh, I've uh, I've pretty much lost hope with uh, with LinkedIn <laughs> as uh, as a uh, as a way of uh, getting uh, any 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 sort of like work. I mean, I'd, uh, I I've got like a Vimeo uh, sort of like uh, page as well, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't sort of like tend to have like much of a you know I don't have a website or anything like that. It's uh, it's normally just uh, through um, the sort of like uh, the Facebook pages for the project, yeah. so like the Strontium Dog Fan Film Facebook page or the Judgmenty Facebook page. Yeah, I think both. I think both the projects have uh, uh, web pages as well, which mainly link back to the Facebook and the Twitter pages. So that'd be judgmenty.com or strontiumdogfanfilm.com. I mean, we we usually we usually pick up any messages that come through on the Facebook pages for them as well. Well, that's great, guys. Thanks. Okay. Well, thanks for having us. It's okay, thank you very much. And that was the interview. As usual, I ask listeners to leave a review in iTunes. You can also contact me via Twitter. I'm at Roy Martha. That is at R-O-Y-M-A-T-H-U-R. You can get to all of the stuff I do, such as this podcast, my blog, and you can find out what I'm doing by visiting RoyMartha.com. That is R-O-Y-M-A-T-H-U-R.com. 
This was Rise Rocket Radio episode 173 recorded on Sunday the 9th of April 2017 and the time at the end of the show is roughly 12 o'clock. Thanks for listening and bye for now. Bye!